in, in a last day moment. <laughs> Amen? I mean, if, if the Spirit of God tells us these things, we know we have this inclination. By reading the Scripture, it, it, it confirms that. And, it, and it's an interesting passage of Scripture because Paul starts off by telling Timothy these things. He says in verse 1, he says, But understand this, that in the last days will come times of difficulty. <laughs> Or is anybody in this room experiencing any difficulties in their life? Amen. The phrase difficulty here literally means terrible times. Terrible times are coming in the last days. Now you say, how can we be so excited about Jesus? How can we not make him casual if we are living in terrible times? Because how many know in the terrible times is when God will really reveal his glory? Amen. When things, how many know, it probably seemed very terrible when Jesus was on the cross. That's why so many of them scattered, right? How many, the disciples scattered like roaches in your kitchen when you turn on, the, I hope you don't have roaches in your kitchen, but they just, we're out of here. Because things seem terrible. And, and in, in the last days, things will seem very terrible. In church, we cannot scatter. We cannot run from difficult things. Matter of fact, we should run even more to the cross. He says, I understand this in the last days, there will be times of difficulty for, for people will be lovers of what? It's interesting. The very first thing he mentions is they'll be lovers of self. Like, like literally, this is like a, a sewage of things that he describes. It's like a whole bunch of bad stuff. And like this is the first part. This is the pipe that contains it, right? People will be lovers of self. How? Because they are what? Lovers of money. They are proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to parents. Let me stop right there. How many know in our culture today, we are more surprised when kids are obedient? Right? You're like, wow, those kids are really well behaved. How many know we've become more shocked when somebody obeys their parents versus when someone, like, we almost expect it. Like, yeah, that's just the way they are. Well, the Bible says it, right? They become disobedient to their parents. Ungrateful. Unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, sw swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people, for among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, Burdened with sins and led astray by various passions. Always learning and never. Wow, isn't that amazing? Always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. How many there are people that can learn and learn and learn, but they never understand the truth? Because they are learning, but not learning from, from a heart of, 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 heart of like surrender. And so we have to know these things. So Paul explains to Timothy, he says... Timothy, young preacher, in the last days, things are going to get really bad before they get really good. There's, it's going to get really bad. And he goes through this list, and, he, and he, he explains, as we just read, why it's going to get so bad. But the thing you need to know about this list is he's not talking about the world. He's, talking, he's not talking about atheists. He's talking about the church. Church. 
When, 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 I mean, when you read it, you're like, yeah, that's, that's, that's for them, right? That's the world. No, he's saying in the church, in the church body, there will be people who are lovers of self, boastful, proud, swollen with conceit. Ouch! And that, he says, this is why it's going to be so horrible. In the church, you're going to have these people who have the appearance of godliness, but deny the power. We have to ask ourselves, do I have the appearance of a Christian, but is my private life, my personal life, does, does it reflect my public display? And that's that question like, of, of Christ saying, who do you say I am? Who am I to you? Not who does the church body say you are, not just who the pastors say you are, but truly who are you? So. Tough question. And, and so he says, if you want to avoid such people, and, and, and here he is warning the church. He says, be careful in the church because there's going to come a time, and we're probably there now, where people will be lovers of self. Now, I remember in junior high school, which was like five, 10 years ago, back then, and, and I, I do not tell the truth, but this was in the mid-1980s. But I remember back in the mid-1980s a, a, a Whitney Houston song. And, and if you remember, The Greatest Love of All, right? How many know that song? The greatest love of all. What is learning to love yourself? The greatest love of all is that when you can learn to love yourself. But Paul says, be careful in the end times. It's going to get crazy because people are going to what? Love themselves more than their neighbor, more than their savior. They will love themselves. And so let, you know, right, let's talk about me, right? Let's talk about me. I want you to hear my story, right? I, I, I want you to check out my page. How many of you would have been crazy 25, 30 years ago if people would have thought that almost every person in America would have a page dedicated to themselves? Right? What I eat, how I feel, my mood, my opinion, me, 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 me. How many know we've all kind of made this, this page about us, like, like showing like ourselves all the time? You know, and, and how many know it's become normal to us? Paul said it's going to be even in the church, not lovers of God, but lovers of self. And, and I was reading this article where these sociologists were talking about like our culture today, and this was not even from a Christian perspective, but they said our culture, by far, this generation, by far, our generation, all of us, is the most narcissistic culture to ever exist by far. We are very narcissistic, aren't we? It's, it's all of us. Be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful. How I many know gratefulness is the mark of a spirit-filled life? Amen? It's the person that, that they, they just thank God for everything in Christ Jesus. That's gratefulness. I mean, this today is like, I'm just grateful to know that Jesus loves me, right? I'm just grateful. And we have a culture of people who are not real grateful. 
It's a word called entitlement. Say that with me, entitlement. Now say, I am not entitled to everything. Amen? How many believe that? All right. We need to be grateful. We come to God with a grateful heart. God, I'm grateful for what you've done for me. It's not like, Lord, I, 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 pray that every, I pray that today they'll sing my songs. I hope the sermon is good. I hope that it's something that can change me or I can use them. How many know it's more about like, God, I'm here to worship you. I'm here to, I sing praises to your name, oh Lord, amen? Uh, and, and then God, the rest of it is where we begin to say, what can you show me as I worship who you are? It's coming to God in that approach. Verse three, remember what I said? Well, it says unholy, basically not caring about holiness, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving God, treacherous, reckless, I mean, young Timothy was probably sitting there going like, what do I want? Do I really want to get myself into this? You know, remember, this is at the end of Paul's life. He's literally, this is his last letter. He's, he's about ready to say, I have fought the good fight, right? I have finished the, the race. I've kept the faith. He's, he's now saying, young Timothy, this is your church. Oh, really? <laughs> and so, you know, many times, how many times do we see it? And even in our culture, even in the church today, where we try to draw people through pleasure. Right? If you follow God, he will make you rich. Hallelujah. I mean, that's awesome. I can preach that and that sounds good, right? If you follow God, he'll do whatever you want him to do. If you follow God, he'll make your marriage perfect. If you follow God, your kids will be angels. Well, I heard this interesting thing this week that even Lucifer was an angel. So, okay. uh, I mean, so we have this like, we almost appeal to a culture by like, God is like, if he, he's, it's all about pleasure. But Paul says in the last days that, that people will be, will be what? Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. How many know, it, it, it's all about like, if you follow Jesus, you'll get Jesus. How many know, that's what all we need. If you follow Jesus, you'll get Jesus. Remember, right, in the psalm it says what? About him being a shepherd. Yea, though I walk through the valley of shepherd, I will feel no evil, right? Thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they come for me. You have a, and it talks about he is a, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not, what's, I shall not what? Want. I don't need anything. He's my shepherd, and when I follow him, yes, he will provide. Yes, he will supply. But my heart, my reason for following Jesus is not to receive pleasure. It's to receive this place of saying, thank you for forgiving me. I am accepted. I am forgiven. Amen. How I many know there's no price tag you can put on that? Amen. I can wake up in the morning and no matter what I did this week, I, I say, Lord, forgive me. It's under the blood. But pleasure. You know, maybe there's a mindset of people say, let me, let me try God. You know, I've heard that before. People like, like literally, okay, I'll try God for, let's see how this goes. And, 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 and let's see if this makes me happy. Let's see if this gets me a better job. Let's see if this fixes my marriage. Let's see if this, you know, it's almost like a gospel that's being preached. If you follow Jesus, you will get this. But like I said, if you follow Jesus, you're going to get a shepherd. Amen? 
And how many know he's the perfect shepherd that will not lead you astray? He will lead you to those still waters. He will guide your soul. But we have to follow the shepherd and not follow our pleasure. And I don't think that we, we understand the, the full benefit of literally saying, the Lord is my shepherd. Hallelujah. And I shall not want. Can you imagine me in a culture in a place where people say, I don't want anything. I just want Jesus. Amen? How many know after Thanksgiving, what comes next? Christmas. We're going to hear a lot about what? What I want. I pray during this season that we start saying, Lord, what do you want? What do you want? Amen? Remember, Paul would tell Timothy, Paul said, the world is going to go this way. But, I want you to hear this, but for you, as for you, man of God, you are not going to follow the world. Amen? Timothy, here is what I want from you. Church, the world is going to go one way, but God is saying, but for you, amen, you're not going to go that way. And how many know we have to declare as men and women of God that we are not going to follow the patterns of the world just because it's what the world says to do. God, what do you say? Like, who do you say I am, Jesus asked. Not just what does culture say, what do, what do they say, but truly, what do you say? Like, what do you know about God? I mean, I pray as believers, if you've been born, remember I preached a few, well, it's been about a month ago, about kind of this whole aspect of like, if you've been saved for a while, there comes a point where you should be the one teaching. You should be able to teach the word. You should be, I pray that if you've been in church for 20 years, literally if I ask you to lead a Bible study, you could say, yeah, give me some time, I'll prepare, but I can do that, Right? It shouldn't be always like, you know, like, what feed me? I need this. I need it. It becomes a point in our walk with God where we say, Lord, I'm able to do this. I'm able to read the word. Timothy, you're not going to follow the world. God is saying that to us. The world is going to go this way. But as for you, as my church, how many know the church that God wants will not change. It will prevail. Amen? If God is at the center, the church will stand strong. Don't ever believe any lies. That, that There's these things, I've heard these quotes that like by the end of the 21st century, if we're even here, that the church will, won't even exist anymore. How I many of that will not happen? The church will prevail. God will prevail. There will always be a voice in the wilderness. There will always be us. Amen? And even if we were it, guess what? We're going to be strong. We're going to stay the course. And I've been praying for you all week. And I, I, I literally say, God, I want the church, Harvest Land, to be strong in their faith and in their strength. I pray that if we lose this building, that we would still assemble somewhere. Amen? I mean, if we lost all the lighting and all the building and all the sound equipment and we had to meet somewhere in someone's basement, who's got the biggest basement in this place? I don't know, but we're coming to your house. We're still having church. Amen? Amen. This, is, this is great, but th this is the church right here, us. And I pray that as, if we go through, Paul said in the last days there would be difficult, hard times, meaning that our faith would be tested. And if you don't sense that now, then I don't know if your head is in the sand or you're missing out. But how many know Christianity is being tested right now? Especially in, Western, in the Western Hemisphere, like in America and this part of the world. 
Secularism is at an all-time high. And I pray, God, that they would be strong in their faith because the world is getting crazy. And the writing is on the wall. And it seems like every month something new happens, things that go against the Bible. And I pray. And it's funny, as I was praying, some of you might find this really weird. And that's okay because I say things that are weird and I admit that. But as I was praying, I literally envisioned the show Deadliest Catch. I saw our church on a big boat like Deadliest Catch. How many in this room have ever watched Deadliest Catch? You understand, right? If you've never seen it, they're like these crab fishermen, and they, they fish in the Bering Sea. And the show is all about catching crab and not dying. <laughs> like, and not like getting maimed and hurt really bad. I mean, it's just this terrible thing. And, but they're on these boats, and every season it's the same. They always hit like these terrible, terrible storms. I mean, it's the worst storms. And it's always these guys on the boat or girls that are there for the first time. And they're like, oh, I'm tough. I can, I can do this. And then that first storm hits. And they're like bowing over the side, like throwing up like lunch from the last month, right? And it's just terrible. And I, and I was praying. And I'm like, the Lord literally related this sermon to that show for me. And that's how God is. He'll take something that we see and say, let me show you how that can relate to our life. And, 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 and so I've been praying about it and I'm thinking, but here's the picture. And, and I promise you, I'm, I'm really not trying to uh, uh, exegete Delius Catch, right? And I'm, I'm trying, but go with me. There's this thought that our job as believers is to calm the sea, basically to calm the world. How many know that is not our job? Our job is not to try to calm every storm in the world. It is not our job to try to fix every problem in the world. Who's the one that calms the sea? Jesus. But our, how many know we do have a job? Those men and women on those boats, they do have a job. They cannot stop that sea on the Bering Sea. If those waves want to come, those waves come. But how many know they all have a job on that boat? And if you watch the show, if one of them isn't doing their job, everybody else is like doing double time. And they're like, we can't do this. We need everybody on deck. Amen? And a lot of times there'll be somebody on that boat that starts complaining. It's too hard. It's too difficult. And you'll find that the boat will be a wreck. And they stop catching fish. And the, and the job gets behind schedule. And I'm, I'm thinking about this. And I thought about our job as believers our job is to make sure that our boat is intact, church. Amen? And we have to make sure that our boat, like, first of all, our lives and our church, that we are moving in the right direction and that the crew is strong and prepared because things, things will get difficult and there will be storms. But how do we know if we are prepared for the storm, we will make it through the storm and we will make it through successfully. You find on that show that the best boats are the boats that are the most prepared and the most organized and also the most cohesive. But there's always one or two captains on that show that lose control of their, of their ship. And they, they don't catch as much. They, they kind of fail at the job. Many times they run into, 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 back into the, the shoreline and they have to abandon the trip. And as a church and as, a, as believers, we have to ask ourselves, are we prepared for the storms that are ahead? Because how many know there will be storms? 
And so we, our job is to keep the, the boat, our life on course and knowing that God is the one who calms the storms. Amen? How many know he calms the storms? Jesus said what? Quiet, be still. And I'm thinking about this picture as I was reading 2 Timothy. And I'm thinking like, what is he saying here? There will be things that will happen. Uh, There will be tribulation. But you, us, the church, what are we going to do in these last days? What is, like, what is our response to God? Are we going to make Jesus casual? Are we just going to kind of say, like, there's that dude. He's the one that used to heal. He healed my, my great aunt. He did all these great things back in that revival. Are, have we become, like, so casual about that's what he used to do? And have we become a, a participator in just spectating the event Or are we saying, no, he's still the son of God. He will raise from the dead. He will do something even greater. Amen. How many know? They they didn't realize that yet he, he, he set people free. He healed the blind. They didn't realize that in three days the greatest thing would ever happen, that he would rise from the grave with the keys to hell and death. And we don't realize that we might see tribulation. We might see what we think are terrible things. But church, guess what? There's something greater that's going to happen. Jesus is coming back, and that trumpet will sound. And before he comes back, will be the greatest outpouring. I want to be a part of it. We have to keep our boat, though, in order. Like our life. Like, you're, like, like what Paul was telling Timothy. Don't be arrogant. Don't be disobedient. Don't be lovers of money. Don't be loved. And all these things, right? Watch out for these things that if you do fall into these traps, your boat will become a mess. And then the storm will have its way with you. But church, I got news for you. God says, I have given you. I have given you my son as your shepherd. I mean, he's the pilot of the ship. He's the captain of our life. And God, we're heading somewhere. I feel like that. You might say, well, I feel like I'm going backwards. I, I, I feel like the storm is getting the worst of me. Listen, it, it's in those moments that you say, Lord, I, I, I completely surrender to you. And, and I need to evaluate and ask myself that question, who is Jesus to you? Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 15, Remember, he's with his, his disciples. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? Um, would you go ahead and stand with me? I'm going to end by reading the scripture and praying over you. Who do men say that I am? So they said, right? They gave him the, the good answer. Some say John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. Some say Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And then he asked them point blank. Like, the first question was like, who do men say that I am? Oh, I can answer that. Ah, that's easy. But then he's like, yeah, yeah, okay, that's a good answer. Literally, good answer, good answer. How many know sometimes we're, we're like, good answer? But then he says, no, who do you say that I am? And how many know when the Holy Spirit begins to kind of prick us a little bit and start saying like who do you say that I am like who is Jesus to you 
Is, is God to you this big fairy tale and this, you've, you've believed the lies that the book is, like this is a myth? I mean, I believe that there are people in churches that still question, like, all these stories seem like fairy tales and myths, and all these things seem like unreal and unbelievable, and, and how can I believe this? And, and we start debating all the time, and then I ask people that some question, like, so who does God say that you are? Like, you might hear those things, but have you read it? Have you, like, studied it? And can you interpret it? Who's God to you? Who's Jesus to you? Is it, is it casual? You know, I, 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 I have to say this because I had a, a, me and Jim, Brother Jim right here. He's like, uh-oh. <laughs> we had lunch this week, as we often do. But one of the questions that he brought up, and I've been thinking about that all week, is something that we talked about in our men's Bible study on Sunday nights. And all of our guys who were there, you might remember, one of the things that really pricked our hearts was the question. It was like, am I giving people, especially God, my leftovers. And it really stuck with me. And I know it stuck with Jim. Like, God, do, am I giving you my leftovers? And I don't want to give God my leftovers. I don't want to give Jesus, like, here's my leftover. This is what I got left. Here you go. I know. I don't want to make you casual. I want to give you my very best. Amen? I want to give you my, my, I want to start my day off by saying, God, I worship you. I thank you. I love you. I praise you. I'll check, I'll check my notifications in a minute. But first, God, I need you today. I need you to guide me. Give me wisdom. Guard my mind. Guard my heart so that when I see something, God, I won't react to it. Lord, I'll be able to, to, to maneuver around it, God. I pray that you would, you would give me like the words to say to my friends or if you're married to my spouse or if you're single. I pray you give me the words to say to people in my life that I have closer. Right? Help me know. It's, it's coming to that place like, who do you say that I am? And I want to be able to say, I know who you are. You're my best friend. You're the one that I talk to more than it. You're the one that I, I when I'm driving in my car and, and I just say, I love you, Jesus. I mean, we've made it so complicated. Like, like we almost think like, okay, I have to do these five things to talk to God. No, just literally sometimes I'm in my car and I'm driving to the store. And I'm just like, God, I love you. I mean, I'm sure there's times I'm, I'm at the store and people think I'm crazy, but I'm just kind of, I, my, my, I put on my Bluetooth headphones when I grocery shop and I listen to praise worship. I've been listening to this praise leader, this worship leader named Don Potter. He's from, I don't know if anybody ever heard of Don Potter, but he's from the Toronto Blessing. He's, this song he sings, and I played it at our Tuesday morning prayer. It's, it's like, oh, the name of the song is Seek Your Face. He's like, I just want to seek your face, God. I just want to stare at you. I just want to look at you. And in the difficult times, those are those moments when I say, that is who God is. He's that still small voice. He's that peace that you have in the storm that says it's going to be okay. God for you might sometimes be like this, this big thing and it's like, oh, I feel it. It also might be those moments where you just say, you know what? It's when I first held my child in my arms and I said, wow, you created this. It might be when you're outside in the woods and you're, you're outside and you're on a walk or on a hike or a fishing or hunting or, or riding a bike and you just look at God's creation and you say, wow, God, you're amazing. It might be in that friend that calls you on a Tuesday and says, 
I just want to call. I don't know why. God just put you on my heart. and just I just want you to know that God, God cares and he loves you. And how many know even that right there, you say, yeah, that's, that's it right there. It's those moments. I want to pray over you this morning. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I just I want to pray over you and ask that question. Who is Jesus to you? This is a fundamental question of our life. You know, I always, I always challenge myself. I don't want to just say, okay, I had my Sunday morning fix, and now I just kind of go back to my regular life. No, actually, the Sunday morning is just a time when we kind of come and we praise God. And, but now the rest of our week is kind of like affected by what happens in the house together. And it's, it's just kind of carried with us all week. And I pray there would be like a remnant an aroma. You remember when Moses, I mean, when Noah got off the ark, first thing he did, right? I mean, he might have done like a quick dance, like, oh, you know, like, woo. But he built an altar. And the Bible says he, he began to pray to God and sing praises, literally probably singing out his own song. But it says that the, the aroma of his prayer was like a sweet smell in the nostrils of God. And I pray, God, that our worship, our time alone with you, our lifestyle would, would not be casual. That when we ask that question, who are you to us? We could say, he is my everything. He is my all in all. Jesus, as, as, as students, as grandparents, as parents, as husbands and wives, as friends, God. I pray that you would guide us and lead us, shepherd our lives. I pray that our, our lives, like those boats, God, that we would be prepared, we would have, have things in order, we would set a course, and God, that you would lead us through life and no matter what storm comes. I pray over the church today, God, as we leave this place that we would understand our relationship with you should not be regular. Lord God, it, it is the greatest gift that we've ever been given, and that is to know you. I pray this week, God, that we would do more to know you more. As we spend time in, in, in Thanksgiving, we spend time with family, God, I pray that we would literally have those moments where we are saying, God, I'm thankful for what you've given me. I'm thankful for my home, my family, my friends, my church. But most of all, God, I am thankful for you and your son that you gave us the Holy Spirit to lead us and to guide us. I'm thankful for that. Now as we go, I pray the Lord would bless you, the Lord would keep you. I pray the Lord would use you and all of us this week. I pray that our lives would reflect what he's done in our life. Even in our weakness, he is our strength. Even if you, even if you stumble this week, I encourage you to get right back up. I pray that you would know that you are highly favored, that God loves you so much. I pray that you would live a life to the fullest and that we would make Jesus known throughout the earth. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Let's give God praise. Let's just thank him for me. We thank you, God. We thank you, God. We lift your name. We praise you, God. I pray have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Amen. Come back. We'll all be five pounds heavier next week. So 
<sighs> we'll have a really powerful worship service. We can work it off and, and singing and dancing and clapping. Amen. Be blessed. Have a great week. Safety for those who are traveling. We love you. We're thankful for you. God bless you. And uh, we will see you soon. Remember, there is a meeting for those involved in the Christmas program in the youth room in just a few minutes. God bless you. We will see you soon.